Welcome to the Week 17 Sit Start Podcast. I'm Eric Smith, and I am joined by Ryan Heath, and we are here to prepare you for your fantasy football championships. Congratulations if you made it. Um, We will have our full article on the website, Sit Start, to break down every single fantasy-relevant player. But Ryan and I are here to break down the most important decisions, some of the toughest calls of the week. And uh, yeah, hopefully you all are still with us and have some teams in the fantasy championships. Ryan, I am not in many fantasy championships after seemingly having a buy in Every league I'm in leading into last week, it was a bloodbath for me. I think I have one dynasty team that survived. It's, of course, the team that I've won that league like three times in the last five years. So everything goes my way on that one. But yeah, man, I'm struggling. Uh, Lost in the Scott Fishbowl, did not advance to the finals, just really decimated last week. Lots of Stephon Diggs and uh, Devontae Adams to, to ruin my performance. But hey, we made it to the playoffs. Maybe I'll scratch out some third place overall finishes. So how are you doing, Ryan? Are you in better shape than I am after that last week of like cold weather, backup quarterbacks, Christmas, just all kinds of stuff to mess up our lineups? No, I'm doing about as poorly as it sounds like you're doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's Scott Fishbowl. I also didn't make the finals. I would have if I had correctly started Gardner Minshew over Geno Smith and played a kicker other than Nick Folk. I was only 16 points off the cut line, and that would have made it up easily. So pre- pretty upset about that. That would have been cool to be in the finals my first year, but what, whatever. That that roster was so dead on arrival. I have no idea how it got as far as it did. Uh, I did lose a very important semifinal to my younger brother in our Dynasty League. Uh, he still has not let me hear the end of it. Uh, shout out to Gerald Everett for the goose egg. who lost me multiple matchups, including that one, so... That was awesome too. Yeah, I'm pretty much only in like a two-week championship that started last week still. And I'm in the championship in a guillotine league. So that's fun at least. But yeah, that that's pretty much where I'm at. All my teams kind of died in the semis, just like yours, it sounds like. Yeah, so if anyone out there uh, went through a similar experience, we are here with you. Uh, It was a rough week 16 for a lot of us. So one thing I will say is I'm seeing a lot of complaining on Twitter, uh, Discord, lots of different message boards, people complaining about you know, fantasy football payout structures and the way we uh, determine championships in fantasy football and just lots of nitpicking of the rules and, and the process here. And I would like to say all those people, like this is something you decide in June and the off season. So uh, it's fine to complain about your rosters and um, how they let you down in week 16, but let's not uh, start complaining to our commissioners in week 16, week 17 about how much money the third place team gets. So just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, let's just be down on ourselves and not take it out on our commissioners. So I don't know if you're on board with that, Ryan, but uh, commissioners, the unsung heroes of fantasy football. I am totally on board with that. I might have to schedule a tweet actually for next June where I say, hey, remember how we were all saying that fantasy championships are totally random? Who wants to join my league where we're splitting the pot among the top four? or you get a payout for a buy or whatever. I have a feeling it's not going to get a lot of interest in June when everybody thinks that they are the best and their team will be the best. So yeah, yeah I'll, always, uh, it, I, I mean, I understand it. It's a tilting time of year. I, I've been doing plenty of it myself, but the variance is what happens in fantasy football. You sign up for it. Like I, yeah. I feel like this year, my analysis and the calls I've made and my drafts were all way better than last year. I came out like very far in the positive as far as money spent last year. I'm yeah. I'm going to be 
it's around break even slightly in the negative this year. It, it's just what happens, guys, especially when we play in all these leagues or these big tournaments where all the payout is to first place like it. I don't I don't know what you expect. Yeah, I, I checked out when I saw a Twitter thread today talking about how uh, there were just as many starters getting benched in week 17 of this year. Uh, compared to week 18 and how like maybe we should play in week 18 and I was like no I'm done here like this is fantasy football we're not going to be able to predict this it's the way it is so uh, speaking of that there are a few situations around the NFL that we felt like we needed to touch on up top here Um, a lot of this centers around the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans Uh, it seems like all that matters is their week 18 matchup next week when they face each other for a playoff spot so uh, a lot of talk this week about how much these teams are going to try in week 17 and the Titans have kind of eliminated all doubt here, Ryan. Uh, they have pretty much benched their whole team leading into this week 17 matchup to save them for the final week against the Jaguars. So uh, just kind of a quick rundown, like the Titans have listed three linebackers, two defensive backs, uh, defensive tackle, Jeffrey Simmons and Ryan T- Tannehill is out this week already. They are out for Thursday night football. Uh, Derek Henry is doubtful, which nowadays a doubtful tag pretty much means out. So um, we'll get to the Jags here in a minute, but Tennessee, Ryan, like, I don't think we can start anyone on this roster with Malik Willis under center. I agree. Yeah, I think the conversation kind of does end there with Malik Willis. Like, I I am not trusting Hassan Haskins. It looks like you have him ranked at RB39. Like, yeah, there might be volume, but who cares? It's, it's against a Dallas Cowboys team that actually wants to win. I think maybe the more interesting consideration here is – does this mean anything for starting our Dallas Cowboys? Like what is, is this a 45 zero blowout in the first half? Is Dak getting benched in the second half like that? That's honestly where my brain is going right now. I, cause yeah, I, I feel like it's at this point feels cut and dry that we just aren't considering any Titans. Yeah. I'll get into Ezekiel Elliott a little bit later on, but I think the Titans defense is just so depleted here that we probably still play our Cowboys because if they do get up big, they're going to put up points. But I I do understand the uh, question around that. You know, you can see someone like, I don't know, Dalton Schultz maybe, like where you need a little bit more volume being benched in the second half and it's a downer of a game. Like, But I I do think the Titans are going to be hurting so much on defense here that if we get four touchdowns in the first half, we probably just need to take our chances here with the Cowboys. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, we've seen this with the Eagles in a lot of games this year where they they have just kind of taken their foot off the gas after the first half. And yeah, they usually get there in fantasy and getting there. So yeah, Yeah. probably fine to play all your Cowboys and not overthink it too much. So from the Jaguars side of things, Doug Peterson, I believe it was on Monday, uh, was quoted as saying, there is never a meaningless game. Never, ever, ever, ever. We play to win every game. And the only way I rest players is if they're hurt and can't go. Uh, So this sounds like the Jaguars are going to be playing their guys. I kind of believe him, Ryan. Like, I think it makes sense for a young team like Jacksonville. This, I feel like the playoff run here is kind of a cherry on top for them, but it's still a young developing team. They need to get better. They need the, the practice. Like, sure, maybe if they get up big against Houston, they start benching people in the second half. But I kind of believe Doug Peterson here, and I think we can generally trust our Jaguars. What do you think about Jacksonville as a whole this week? I also believe him. I don't think Doug Peterson is operating on the like game theory optimal level that all us nerds are talking about <laughs> how the Jags yeah. don't need to win this week. Like I- I'm brought back to last year, week 18, I believe, where it was the Chargers versus the Raiders. And the internet had figured out that if both 
the teams tied, then they would both get into the playoffs. So we we fully determined before this game even started that the best thing for each team to do would just be to kneel the ball, take turns kneeling the ball four times and just keep keep it on the 50-yard line and run the clock out for the entire game. Obviously, that's not what happened because football coaches aren't a bunch of game theory nerds. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say just assume the Jaguars are going to be normal this week, at least based on what we're hearing. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Trevor Lawrence popped up as questionable on the injury report. No indications it's serious. That would be the giveaway. If Trevor Lawrence does not play, then then bench everybody. But it looks like Jags are good to go for now. So um, it's it's funny. I feel like we have already forgotten about the Denver Broncos firing their head coach this week because we have a new uh, crazy news item out of the NFL, and that is that Derek Carr has been benched by the Raiders. Um, they said that they want to see what they have, quote unquote, in Jared Stidham. Uh, Derek Carr isn't even going to be around the team for the last two weeks here, Ryan. Like he's just going home. I can't blame him personally if that was his decision. Um, it's a weird situation here for the Raiders, but, uh, what are we supposed to do with the Raiders going forward with Jared Stidham at quarterback? Well, I can tell you what they have in Jared Stidham and it's, they, they don't have anything as somebody that was forced to watch a fair amount of Jared Stidham back during his stint with the Patriots. Yeah. This, this is just clown show stuff. Like I, yeah, so so sorry, Derek Carr. Uh, but yeah, this does definitely make me concerned, honestly, about Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. Also in that news blurb was that some of the Raiders veterans might be, quote, taking a step back. I don't know what that means. Does that does that mean that we're not getting 25 touches out, out of Josh Jacobs? Like, And I mean, it's a matchup against the 49ers. It's already going to be a pretty tough game environment. I don't know. I've been kind of going back and forth with where I ultimately want to rank Devontae Adams the last few minutes. Uh, I've got him in like the mid wide receiver two range right now. I'm kind of mulling him over with guys like Christian Kirk and Terry McLaurin, Juju Smith-Schuster. I, I don't I don't know if you feel like that's way too low, like because, yeah, it's it's always in Devonte Adams range of outcomes that he gets 15 targets and probably doesn't really matter if those are coming from Jared Stidham because he's so good. But, yeah, it, it makes me pretty nervous. Uh, I, I I mean, I definitely wouldn't be playing Adams and Jacobs in like guillotine style leagues where you actually have other good options. I'll say that at least. Yeah, I don't think you're overreacting with it being against San Francisco. I mean, this is a, a great spot to see what you have in Jared Stidham against San Francisco, who's just steamrolling everyone here. But I was doing the same thing as you. I mean, Josh Jacobs, I kind of still had him as like a top 10 running back because I was like, well, he's a free agent after this year. He's going to want to play, I would assume. Like, I don't think he's just going to want to sit out and call it a year. But the more I looked at it, like brutal matchup against San Francisco. I dropped him down for now in like the RB16 range in like the – uh, behind Jarek McKinnon even like I'd rather play Jarek McKinnon at this point I've got him in like the Najee Harris David Montgomery Cam Akers range just kind of the volume backs I still don't really know I think I could still knock him down even further I mean David Montgomery against the Lions that's not a bad matchup I could see some volume there so I, I think Jacobs becomes a very high variance player here like I don't know if they're just gonna sit him or if he's gonna ask his way out of the game or what so yeah I, I think if you err on either side with Jacobs and Adams I would err on benching them. I mean, I just, I, unless you're just putting in a, a scrub option here, like I, we just don't know how this is going to go and it's a tough matchup. Yeah. I, you're not, you're not putting in Isaiah McKenzie for Devonte Adams, but right. yeah, like a, 
a decently productive player. Like, I, I think I would play a, a Jerry Judy over Devontae Adams this week, as crazy as that is. Uh, or, yeah, or Juju Smith-Schuster. I've, see, I've seen that one asked a couple times. So, yeah, it's, it's possible that you have another, like, fringe top 24 option, and I, I would probably just go with them at, the, at this point. Yeah. So yeah, this is definitely one to read the coach speak, read the quotes out of the players. I mean, I, I'm just curious if this team is just fed up now. I mean, it, I know Derek Carr has been up and down. Like the internet likes to talk about him for being a mediocre quarterback. And and we like to talk down on quarterbacks like that. But I, I would find it very hard to believe that he is not liked in the locker room and that this is like a dagger to the team for these last two weeks of the season for like a veteran trying to play out the string here. Like, I don't know how you get excited going forward. Every interview I've ever seen Derek Carr give has left me with the impression that he's like a great guy and a great leader. And I I don't say that about many NFL players, honestly, like this is not something I generally notice. But yeah, he he seems like a real force in the locker room. So yeah, it, it will be very interesting to see what type of product the Raiders are putting out. All right. Well, before we move on from the news segment, um, who's more likely to have a bounce back this week, the Raiders with Jared Stidham or the Broncos with a new head coach? I I think it's got to be the Broncos, right? Like we'll talk about Jerry Judy a little bit later, but yeah, like I I can believe that Russell Wilson is going to just throw more touchdowns than he owns toilets in his house (laughs) this week. This is this is the week for it. I'm feeling good about it. Yeah, I've been going back and forth on the Broncos because normally we see these teams get a little bounce after the coach gets fired when it's such a miserable situation. But I wonder if Russell Wilson still being there kind of like negates that in this situation. Like he's just it's such an issue with Russell Wilson that it's like, oh, so we got rid of the coach, but Wilson's still here. So I'm curious to see if there's any bounce back here from this Broncos offense. It'll be quite the day on Twitter if Russ throws for like five touchdowns. Can you imagine? I'm I'm rooting for that. Honestly, I, I need that to happen now. Yeah, I just had to look up who they're playing. I'm I'm just so out on this Broncos team. They're in Kansas City, so we'll we'll see if they can put up a fight in Kansas City. I'm sh- I'm a little skeptical. All right, um, let's get into running backs here. Uh, we're going to touch on some of the weirder situations in the league, and there are quite a few, as you can tell from our opener here. So, Ryan, uh, what situations do you have questions about at running back this week? Yeah, so the first situation, if you want to call it that, is <laughs> I when when I start putting the show sheet together, I'm thinking, okay, what. Like what, what happened at running back last week that I found odd that I want some more context on. And then I flash back to visions of Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard absolutely gashing the Lions defense like the entire game. Uh, so, yeah, why, why don't you give me some numbers of just exactly what happened there last week and what we can expect out of either of them going forward? Yeah, it was pretty wild. This is a Lions defense that was starting to turn things around and had been better against running backs. And uh, the the Panthers as a whole rushed 43 times for 320 yards and three touchdowns as a team. So just one of those days, we know when the Panthers can run the ball, they are going to run the ball and they're just going to keep running it. And that's what happened. I believe Chuba Hubbard started with like a 30-yard run and a 35-yard run on his first two carries of the game. So it just, they came out the gates hot here. Um, I it's overall, it was 46% of the snaps for Chuba Hubbard, 44% for Deontay Foreman. Uh, Foreman did get more carries though, and neither saw a target. So pretty even split, but Foreman got more carries. Uh, just looking at it overall, 
Um, Hubbard dominated the third down work and the two minute work. Foreman got the advantage on early downs. They both kind of mixed in for goal line snaps, but I'm sure some of that was like third downs and and two minute drives and stuff like that. So it's kind of still the same split. It's just a very even split here. And I just, I think the Panthers are just really game script dependent. If they can get up and they can run the ball, these running backs are going to be really good. If they fall behind and they can't, I mean, we've seen Deontay Foreman just disappear in weeks prior. So uh, it's a very high variance situation here. I feel a little weird having Foreman is ranked as low as I do, RB26 and Chuba Hubbard, RB32. I feel like I should rank one higher and one lower, but it's a pretty even mix and they are playing a Tampa Bay defense that's still allowing the fifth fewest points to running backs. Like I know we kind of hate everything we see out of this Buccaneers team, but this is still a road game for Carolina against a good run defense. So I worry about this spot for them. I think a lot of your teams, you're not going to have better options and you're going to have to roll with Foreman or even Hubbard in some situations, but um, I don't know. I'm not expecting 43 for 320 this week, I guess I would say. Yeah, I guess the Panthers, while we weren't looking, just kind of turned into the Atlanta Falcons. So, (laughs) like, yeah, if they get rolling and they can run the ball 40 times, then, yeah, you'll probably be happy starting either guy. But, yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't really add up for this week. Arguably, it didn't last week either. Like, the Lions had been so much better against the run recently until, until this disaster. But... Yeah, I, I agree with you. They're both, both going to be kind of in the flex range, not like dying to get either in my lineup. Yeah, I mean, even last week, Foreman, like 21 for 165 and a touchdown, like it's a monster game. I mean, it's RB6. It's it's 23 points, you know, like there's no passing game work. It's, again, it's one of these volume backs where you're going to need a touchdown. So uh, that, that's his ceiling pretty much. And, I and, you know, the week before he had 10 carries for nine yards at home against the Steelers. So it's just, it's very high variance here. It's just how early can they get the running game going? Does Sam Darnold keep looking competent? Like it's all stuff that could flip on a dime in this week. So I just, in championships, I'm still looking for better options if I can, but I guess I'm six spots ahead of uh, expert consensus on, on Foreman here. So uh, they've got him 32. I have him 26. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, I have him 32. ECR has him 39. So I guess I am a little higher, but um, other experts are down on them as well. So it's, I don't feel too bad by, for pushing back on these running backs. Well, speaking of apparently high volume, high variance running backs, uh, we, Cam Akers is a thing again. I didn't watch this game because I would rather spend time with my family than watch Broncos Rams on Christmas. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I've been told that Cam Akers did stuff last week. So why don't you take me through that? And do we have to actually take him seriously again? I mean, 35 points RB1 for last week. So Cam Akers certainly did things. Uh, He did score three touchdowns. So that's obviously going to help. But uh, this was one where I was a little disappointed. I ranked him RB19. I looked at expert consensus and expert consensus has him RB19. So it's like, wow, okay. I put him right where he is. He's aligned. But uh, let's go through what's going on with Akers recently. He had 75% of the snaps last week. He's had 75% or more in three of the last four weeks. And I do think it makes sense that he's just now rounding into shape from his Achilles recovery. Like he rushed back last year. He clearly was not himself early this year. It does make sense that he is looking better. But really what's happened here is the matchups for the Rams and Cam Akers. I mean, it doesn't hurt that they got Baker Mayfield and he's looking like a a mediocre NFL quarterback. Like that that does kind of help here. But um, last four games for Cam Akers, he played Seattle, second best matchup for a running back, and he scored 19 points. 
He then played the Raiders, the sixth best matchup for a running back, scored nine points. He went to Green Bay, the 12th best matchup, and scored 13. And then last week against Denver, they're the 14th best matchup for running backs in fantasy, but he also caught them on the week where they quit on their coach. So like it was pretty much the perfect time to catch the Broncos and he scores 35 points. So it's been a really favorable schedule for Akers. It continues this week though, because he's in uh, Los Angeles to play the Chargers. It's the eighth best matchup for running backs. So it's it's just a really nice stretch of matchups for Akers. And if he keeps getting 75% of the snaps, it's hard to rank him very low. Um, I actually have him a spot above A.J. Dillon, which I think I may change. We're going to talk about the Packers running backs later, but I, I think it's pretty safe to say that Akers slots into that RB20 range, and I would generally trust him this week just for the volume and the fact that Baker Mayfield has looked pretty decent here. I do really hate that feeling where I hyper-focus in on a player during <laughs> rankings, and I'm like, okay, th- this is exactly who I can possibly justify ranking them above, and I'm going to be so high on them, and yeah, that then you're exactly in line with consensus. It's like, yeah. okay, I, gu- I guess I don't have my own independent brain or thought process, <laughs> even though I thought I did, so that's cool. Yeah, uh, But yeah, no, no cra- crazy stuff with Cam Akers. I- I'm flashing back to like week six when we were told he would never play another snap for the Rams again still still kind of curious what was going on there uh but yeah Yeah. congrats if you bought him in dynasty I guess yeah and I mean you can give me some pushback if you want on some of these players ranked behind him I I don't think I can get him above David Montgomery and Najee Harris ahead of him Um, behind him though like DeAndre Swift I was too high on him last week he had a bad week but he did play like 56 percent of the snaps but I think it makes sense to have acres ahead of Swift um, Brian Robinson against Cleveland. It's a really nice matchup. So is Cam Akers, though. And I, I almost like the Rams offense better than the Commanders, which is weird to say. But um, I have Miles Sanders behind him, who I've just kind of given up on Miles Sanders. He either scores 30 points or he scores six. Like, those are the names that I have behind Cam Akers. I I don't know if there's anything egregious there, Ryan, but I, I 1920, it, it feels like the right spot for Cam Akers. No, I, I don't think there is anything super egregious i i was gonna argue with deandre swift uh but yeah i for some reason i thought jamal williams was possibly in danger of missing time this week but he's not on the injury report so i i don't know if i fever dreamed that or whatever it was but yeah we're turns out we're not getting deandre swift guy you need in the championship so yeah, yeah. roll with cam Akers over him and yeah all, all those names are kind are kind of whatever to me Yeah, Lions running game has actually kind of fallen off a cliff lately. They're kind of a better passing team right now. And Swift still had five targets last week, but only caught one of them. So he's really going to be banking on his receiving work. But um, yeah, I don't know. So I I feel pretty confident in Akers, but I I do think we need to realize that this is still a Baker Mayfield-led offense and and don't get crazy and start him over, you know, uh, I don't know, Travis Etienne or, or, you know, a more talented player. I would still take the more talented players. I don't think we're back to the Cam Akers, like, second-round redraft pick or anything first round redraft pick at one point <laughs> i remember i remember those days that killed so many best ball teams in 2021 man yeah all right uh let let's move into something a little bit different uh so it, it looks like you wanted to talk about two guys that you have in in your top five running backs that maybe aren't names we would normally expect but i i, I do think these are both conversations worth having so 
For, talk to me about James Conner, Eric. <laughs> yeah, this uh, section is titled Start the Old Boring Guys. And I, I know probably people are starting James Conner in all their leagues, but there are some stacked lineups this time of the year. Uh, and I, I just, you got to start James Conner at this point. Um, I do have a lot of questions about what the Cardinals are doing here because for some reason, uh, James Conner, soon to be 28 years old, uh, he's going to be a member of the Cardinals next year due to his contract, so they should try to preserve him. And he has played between 90 and 97% of the snaps in each of the last uh, few weeks, and it, it's a lost season. Like, this season is over. Uh, Ryan, why are the Cardinals playing James Conner on 90% plus of the snaps? Why are they not saving him in a season where Kyler Murray is out? And, I mean, it's over. They're not going to make the playoffs. Why are they doing this to James Conner? I don't know if this is like Cliff Kingsbury trying to get Connor Hurd as revenge on his way out the door or something because he knows he's getting fired. Yeah, I could, I could speculate a million different ways, but yeah, the fact is Connor is seeing Christian McCaffrey level usage down the stretch. It, I yeah, it's tough to argue with. We I mean, it's not like we haven't seen Connor absolutely dominate backfield opportunity shares it points before in his career too so it it's not like that crazy but yeah no I I agree I picked up James Conner in that guillotine league and I'm gonna <laughs> play him over Josh Jacobs and I feel very good about it so yeah no no pushback for me at all yeah so regardless of why they're going to play James Conner this much they are and uh, he has been a top five running back in four of the last seven weeks uh, he's been an RB19 or higher all of the last seven weeks. He had 25 PPR points with Trace McSorley last week against a really good Tampa Bay run defense. So I know it's ugly. I know it's, uh, I think they're having Colt McCoy back this week. I know it's not a great offense. Lots of problems there in Arizona, but I think you just got to close your eyes, keep playing him over some really good names to a running back because this workload is just massive. So um, I did want to call him out at Atlanta, uh, RB4 on the week. And then Kind of in a similar mold here. Uh, I've got Ezekiel Elliott as my RB5 at Tennessee. It's a lot higher than he is on consensus. We'll see how that changes as the week goes. Uh, but, I mean, Tennessee, like we mentioned earlier, they're benching everyone. Like, their whole defense is out. So I don't think we can call this the sixth worst, ma- worst matchup for a running back for fantasy purposes because they're missing all their linebackers and, you know, all their good players. So it, it's a matchup that we shouldn't be scared of. And Tony Pollard mispracticed all week and is a game-time decision. I don't know why Dallas would risk Tony Pollard at all in this one. Uh, I dropped Pollard down to RB23 for now. I don't really know what to do with him. If if I had him, I would not want to play him this week because there's just no reason for the Cowboys to force the issue with Pollard. They should give Zeke as many carries as they feel comfortable with, mix in the backup behind Pollard, and, and just take care of this Tennessee team. So uh, Zeke, you know, it's... We were all down on him, and I, I, I think his production has not been that great um, as far as an efficiency standpoint, but the guy just scores touchdowns. I mean, he's got a, I don't know, eight- or nine-week touchdown streak going. Like, at this point in the season, that's an awesome floor. It's a good matchup. Uh, I would be playing Ezekiel Elliott over just about everybody. I mean, I'd play him. I got him ahead of Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, all those types. So I just – Give me the touchdown with Zeke, and this could be a blowout against Tennessee. So Zeke is the RB17 in points per game PPR right now. Uh, The reason I brought this up was because I wanted to see if Zeke drops like a 40-burger on as the only running back against this decimated Titans defense if he could end up as a top 12 running back somehow by by points per game. Yeah, Uh, It's possible he's it. 
13 and a half right now. Uh, RB12, if you're counting Brees Hall, it lo- looks like is Ramondre Stevenson and Dalvin Cook uh, tied at 15.3. So I, I'm not going to do that math on the podcast right now. I'll probably <laughs> embarrass myself. But yeah, maybe Zeke could somehow finish top 12 again just off of this one matchup. It, I that you know that that really feels like a fitting end to the fantasy season. Yeah, it does. And I mean, he hasn't had a 20 point PPR game this year. It's wild. It's just all 15, 18 point games, but I mean, he's getting 15 carries, he's getting a touchdown every game without Pollard potentially. It's just a huge spot here. So, that sums up my uh, start the old boring running backs uh, segment of this podcast. Just start James Conner, start Zeke, take your touchdown, uh let's go win a championship here. All right. Finally, let's touch on the Packers backfield. Uh, I don't know that we even need to talk about Aaron Jones because I would imagine if you played him last week, you're not playing in your championship (laughs) right now. Uh, But why why don't you tell us what's going on there anyway, Eric? Yeah, this is the one I want to talk through with you a little bit because I am not sure how to handle this backfield, to be honest. I, I Aaron Jones is dealing with an he was dealing with a knee injury last week heading into the game. His ankle got rolled up, I think like first carry of the second half, ended up only playing 38% of the snaps, limited practice on Wednesday. So he did practice. It sounds like he's going to play. Um, AJ Dillon played 58% of the snaps last week, though. And Dillon, after going 10 straight weeks without a touchdown, uh, he's got five in the past four weeks. He's caught fire here. Um, his snap shares are all over the place. I don't know what to make of them. The last four games, A.J. Dillon has played 43%, 68%, 37%, and then 58% last week. So it's definitely not been consistent. But um, right now, just kind of default, like how I always rank them, I have Aaron Jones RB8 and A.J. Dillon RB20. I'm tempted to just like completely flip them here, Ryan. Like I, I want to play the healthier player in Dillon. Um, he's also caught fire. It makes sense to flip these two players, but I, like it's also AJ Dillon, I, or I'm sorry, Aaron Jones. I do think is the better player, and if he's healthy and he's out there leading the backfield, then he's the one you want to start. So it, I'm kind of torn on: do I chase the health here? Do I chase the talent? Like how much changes from last week to this week? It's just a tough spot, and I don't really know what to do with these Packers running backs. I so looking at this, I don't think you can get AJ Dillon any higher because, I, yeah, I, I just don't want to play him over guys like Cam Akers or David Montgomery, like we talked about. Mm-hmm. I think you could get Aaron Jones down closer to him. Like, I, I think I would take the Nick Chubbs, the Ramondre Stevensons, the Travis Etienne's over Aaron Jones because. All of those guys have similar upside to Aaron Jones. And it, like this is a good matchup against the Vikings for sure. That like The ceiling's there. But yeah, uh, there's obviously a wide range of outcomes here. And I, I think just dropping him into like the high-end RB2 range, maybe right next to Ken Walker, I think makes a lot of sense. Just, yeah. just thinking about the type of, or the way that both of these players kind of score fantasy points on a handful of big plays generally because they're they're both very explosive, but they won't always get there in any single week. So I, I think having those two next to each other makes some sense. Yeah, it's just, it's tough because this the Packers offense does look a lot better lately. I, I think we can definitely say that A.J. Dillon is startable after a real rough stretch to the season. He's a, a pretty solid play right now. I know it's very touchdown based, but we'll take him. And uh, I, I do expect some points to be put up in this game against the Vikings. So yeah, I, I guess the the moral of the story there is you can feel pretty comfortable with Dylan. Uh, Aaron Jones, you're probably going to need to play him, but we probably should drop our expectations a little bit because he does seem really banged up at this point. 
Yeah, I agree. It's yeah, just such a difficult situation. There's so many of them. I guess there are every year in the fantasy championships. We all always have these ambiguous injuries or what have you. So yeah. All right. We ready to move on to wide receiver? Yeah. I mean, there were a few I thought about touching on like Tyler Algier. I've got him RB 27. He played a lot of snaps last week. Um, he seems to have kind of overtaken um, Cordell Patterson. So I think he's a decent play against Arizona, but yeah, I mean, there's just, I think once you start getting down into like the RB 26, 27 range, like hopefully most championship teams are not starting running backs in that area. Yeah, that's my, that's my favorite cop out of when, when I don't want to talk about a player. You're in the championship, like they, yeah. you shouldn't have this bum on your team. Exactly. Uh, so that's why I'm about to talk about Isaiah Hodgins. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I will admit when I went through the receivers that I wanted to talk about today, I'm mostly just doing this to troll. Uh, you'll you'll see as I continue to go through these names, but. We haven't talked about Isaiah Hodgins yet, and he's a semi-relevant play now, apparently, so I, I thought it was probably worth it. I have him ranked as the wide receiver 44. He gets the Colts at home this week. Uh, so Hodgins has really come on in the last month or so. Last week, he ran 47 of a possible 49 routes, so he's a full-time player, essentially. Uh, has gotten at least six targets in three of his last four games. He's coming off a 11 target performance where he caught eight of them for 89 yards and touchdown. A lot of the fantasy production has kind of come from the touchdowns. He has had a touchdown in three of his last four as well. Uh, But it admittedly, he he has been targeted three more times than teammate Darius Slayton in this time period. Uh, I have Slayton right next to him in the rankings, wide receiver 43. These are both just kind of, risk reward wide receiver four flex types i i don't love the spot like the cults are a top 10 matchup against opposing receivers uh the giants are favored it could be like a kind of underratedly decent scoring environment but yeah i hopefully you don't have to play isaiah hodgins but he he was just kind of the guy where I, i was like you know what someone that is not rostered in many leagues that is probably like the bottom floor replacement level player this week yeah, um, shout out, shout out to Dustin Ludke, our sit start manager. He wrote a uh, going deep kind of dynasty future report, like deep deep dive dynasty players uh, back in November. He called out Isaiah Hodgins, and uh, Dustin, being a Bills fan, was familiar with him. Hodgins has been on the Bills for two years before this year, and that means that Brian Dayball knew him pretty well too. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a weak Giants receiving core, and anyone who's got some momentum here is. It's not like he's got names to jump over here. So, um, yeah, I mean, Slayton, as as good as he's looked at times this year, he's certainly not going to block somebody drawing targets. So, yeah, I'm on board with you. Hodgins has shown some consistency in in deep leagues. I I certainly think you could play him as a a flex or something. All right. Well, proud of myself for spending two minutes on Isaiah Hodgins in (laughs) week 17. I'm I'm glad. I love how this is going. Now let's just touch on Jerry Judy a little bit. So I probably have him ranked too high this week, I admit. I have him wide receiver 16 right now. The Broncos are traveling at the Chiefs. Uh, Judy was limited in practice on Wednesday, but I I assume he's probably fine. It seemed like he had like dinged up his ankle a little bit last week, but did come back into the game. So it's probably not a big deal. Uh, I, I just want to zoom out a little bit and talk about Judy because he, he's having like a quietly decent to okay season. 
He's yeah. the wide receiver 28 in PPR points per game this year. That is right next to Garrett Wilson. Obviously, we're, we grade Garrett Wilson on a curve as a rookie, but I mean, still somewhat encouraging from Judy. Uh, not not like what we were imagining as like this incredible breakout season or anything, but 13 points per game versus Sutton's 10.7 is like, I think you can say Judy was like the correct pick between the two of them at the very least. Uh, and, and I mean, Judy has done all of that despite very obviously awful offensive play calling and quarterback play. Uh, I mean, Russ did throw three touchdowns against the Chiefs last time they played in week 14. The Chiefs are the sixth best matchup for opposing receivers this year. And Judy has at least eight targets in each of his last three games. So there's a lot of momentum, a lot of reasons to just rank Judy as a wide receiver too this week and feel pretty confident in him. Uh, but I, I mean, beyond that, I, I'm just kind of thinking about whether I want to go out and acquire Jerry Judy in dynasty leagues. I can't kind of can't believe we're at this point, but I, I feel like a lot of the like typical like football guy, Jerry Judy supporters are out on him now. Whereas a, a lot of the more data focused people are kind of into him now. It's always funny how perceptions flip on these players in that way, but yeah, yeah, like now, now Jerry Judy is an underrated post-hype breakout candidate, I guess. And I, I'm kind of there for it. Yeah, I mean, we're all going to be so down on this Broncos team that there are going to be values here. It's it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. Uh, Cortland Sutton came back from injury last week, drew seven targets, and, and Judy was still fine. So, I mean, there is some volume if this team – I mean, well, if they're going to give up 50-plus points, there's certainly going to be a lot of passing volume like last week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if they're losing, if it's a bad team, they're going to be throwing the ball. And, it, it, yeah, I, I mean, Cortland Sutton is now age 27. He's a few years older than Jerry Judy. So, yeah, I, I could see dynasty-wise I it would make sense to plant your flag on Judy as opposed to Sutton. And uh, we just need Judy to stay healthy. And it would be really nice to see him go into this offseason fully healthy with a little momentum. Maybe we could get him on the right track for next year. Yeah, agreed completely. And it obviously will be interesting to see what this coaching change shakes out as and, and who the Broncos hire in the offseason will be pr- pretty of interest as far as Jerry Judy goes. All right. Next up, uh, you want to talk about Russell Gage here. I, I last saw him against the Bengals where he had a really nice week. Um, and I, I'm not going to lie. I have no idea what he did last week. So catch me up to speed here on Russell Gage. Yeah, I can tell you what he did last week. So he was mostly only playing in three wide receiver sets, but he did run 30 routes to Julio Jones's 15. A big part of that is that Julio is currently working his way back from a knee injury. So in weeks 12 through 14, Julio's snaps were above 60%, uh, but they were just 27% last week. So this is very much just whichever Bucks wide receiver three is healthier is in a decent-ish role potentially. So I have Gage as the wide receiver 41 against the Panthers right now. But that that's with the caveat that if Julio gets in a full practice at any point this week, I would just assume that, that this is a 50-50 split at worst. And that probably takes both of them off the table as far as like wide receiver four or flex type of plays. But I I just wanted to call it out because I, I Gage has been pretty good recently, over a 50% snap share the last two games, 18 total targets in those two games. So 
there could be some juice here if things work out on the injury report, I suppose, with Julio. But yeah, I realistically, I kind of, the more I look at this situation, the more I'm like, eh, we probably can't play either of them, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, always lots of passing volume in Tampa Bay. So Gage is funny. He's one of those players that there was a lot of hate towards him this year. And I think it's just because he got so hyped up early on in the year uh, before drafts that like it brought out the hate on everyone. It's like he's, he's Russell Gage. He's a slot player. He can catch some volume in the right situations. It's like I, I'm not surprised that he's had a few spike weeks. And um, yeah, he just he drew a lot of hate because people were drafting him way too early leading up to the season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, can you blame people? Imagine if we were drafting K.J. Osborne in the sixth round in best ball leagues. That, that is what was happening with Russell Gage for a little while. Um, yep. Yeah, it, the ADP did tank it, the second Julio signed, and I, that was correct so far, it looks like, because, yeah, Gage has not been able to produce generally when Julio has been healthy and on the field. Turns out that Antonio Brown was a much better wide receiver three than uh, Russell Gage and Julio Jones. So he is an insane person, but he was also a pretty good player. So I think that's the main takeaway from this Tampa Bay offense. So, um, all right, let's get on to a name. Fits right in with Russell Gage here. Uh, We're on with Gabe Davis here, Ryan. So let's cap off this fantasy season with a nice Gabe Davis discussion. Yeah, I'm so proud of myself for this troll job. This is such a perfect show sheet. God, we've gone Isaiah Hodgins to Jerry Judy to Russell Gage to Gabe Davis, who I now will take a victory lap on. It's I don't care. It's not the end of the year. We It's late enough for us to have this conversation. So yeah. Gabe Davis, this week I have him ranked as a wide receiver 39 against the Bengals. But anyway, uh, so this season... Gabe Davis has been the wide receiver 35 in fantasy points per game. That's not horrible for where you were getting him in more casual, like ESPN type of leagues. Like he he would go in like the fifth, sixth round in some of those. That that was yeah. fine. As, lo- as long as you weren't taking him over a Monroe St. Brown, like n- not going to totally beat up anybody for that pick. Uh, fourth round best ball mania ADP though. I no- Sorry guys, that, that one didn't work out. It, Turns out that when players don't can't command targets, uh, they don't suddenly start doing it in their third year, generally. So yeah. 17% in both his target share and his targets per route run, which is funny because that right there tells you that he's running basically every route possible. Uh, yet he's he's just not doing that much with it. He's 16th in the league in both routes run and air yards. Uh, but he, yeah, he's he's nowhere near that in terms of actual production. So it, yeah, the, he it turns out he he is just a guy that plays with Josh Allen, which it like that's cool, that's nice. But yeah, I, I don't know. And I guess the only other thing is that the, his targets per route run is actually down from last year. It was twenty two percent in twenty twenty one. It turns out that when players enter full time roles, they can't get targeted as frequently or as consistently like we've seen with almost every player that we've done this with ever uh so yeah I, how, how's gabe davis doing on is he on any of your rosters eric uh i've got him in some dynasty rosters where i picked him up like his rookie year so like before he was even a thing so in those teams i'm you know hey fine i'll take him i mean it's it's interesting looking at this season because if you told me he had seven touchdowns through 16 games you'd probably be like oh boy Man, the Gabe Davis season might have happened. You know what I mean? Like seven touchdowns for a receiver, that's that's pretty decent here. And he had those big spiked games early on where it was like, oh, yep, he's catching the deep balls. Like, 
maybe he's going to be up and down, but he's going to have these 30 point weeks. And since the buy, it just pretty much dried up. We're seeing a bunch of, you know, five catches for 38 yard type games. And it's, it's funny. He's kind of turned into a, a possession receiver that will catch a touchdown occasionally. So um, yeah, I don't know. In the leagues where I drafted him as a rookie, I'm still totally fine with Gabe Davis, but if you drafted him in the fourth round of a best ball, um, he's, he's probably your least favorite player right now. It's a funny paradox because he, he's actually like the most boring player to possibly <laughs> talk about or analyze, yet he's been the, probably the most talked about wide receiver in all of fantasy football this year. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's funny how those things work out. Yeah. Otherwise, I feel like I mean, maybe this is another one of those players who, if you still have DeAndre Hopkins, you're probably eliminated already. Uh, you have wide receiver 21. It, it just strikes me. Uh, this is what makes it so hard to rank these players because we know they had Trace McSorley last week and it was going to be ugly, but we probably told people to start him because Hopkins was going to get the volume. And if you said you're getting 10 targets from DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins, you probably would start him again, right, Ryan? And it just one catch for four yards. Like that's obviously not going to cut it, but it's what makes this so hard. We got our 10 targets from him and I think we all would have started him if we knew that, but he probably ended a lot of people's leagues last last week. Yeah, definitely. The tar- the target volume tells me that it was the correct process to play him. And yeah, I- I'm just kind of ranking him similarly this week for that reason. They are hopefully getting Colt McCoy back. So that is probably a minor upgrade at the very least. Yeah, he he has to be at least a wide receiver too based on volume. Same with Hollywood Brown, whose volume hasn't been as big or as consistent, but I've still got him at like wide receiver 27. Like it, it's... Yeah, these receivers, if they get the volume, they will have their big games occasionally. That's that's yeah. really like my struggle with Devontae Adams this week, honestly. Kind of, yep. it, it's the same type of type of thing. Yep. Yeah, I mean those Hopkins decisions when we get the sit start questions, it's I almost just want to say it's up to you. Like, do you want to <laughs> deal with the horrible quarterback or not? Like, we know what's coming here. It's going to be ten targets. Like. I can't tell you if Trace McSorley is going to connect on five of them or one of them with Hopkins. It's just, it's really hard to tell people sit start decisions when it's in situations with like a third string quarterback. It's like, I will see on Sunday, you know, that's kind of what it feels like in these spots. Yeah, it, it it's brutal. All right, let's move over to quarterback. Uh, at first, I didn't think I would have anybody new to talk about this week. So I, I will just say the, the two most plausible streamers, if you're streaming a quarterback in the championship, Gardner Minshew and Brock Purdy both still qualify. They're both still under 50% rostered. I recommended both of them last week. So if you're streaming, you probably have one of those two. I've got Minshew QB 11 if he plays and Hurts doesn't. Uh, and I've got Purdy at QB 12 at the Raiders. Excellent matchup. Purdy has the fourth highest implied total uh, for of any team this week. There's no, no reason not to keep running with either of these guys. But where it gets interesting is, I don't know, maybe a super flex league or a really deep league where your opponent had picked up both Minshew and Purdy last week because they hated you. Uh, we do get to talk about Mike White again. Uh, and I think it is a discussion worth having more so than just, oh, it's Mike White, play him, he's great. Uh, Because, Eric, people keep talking about the Chris Streveler package. No, everybody is raving about this (laughs) through the last few days. Uh, It it seems possible that 
Chris Traveler might be in some sort of a Taysom Hill role, especially in the red zone. Maybe that takes away some of the scoring upside from Mike White. Uh, I still have him QB 16 at Seattle. That's like an average matchup, but it, like it is Mike White. He has two top seven finishes in three games and over 44 attempts in two of those three games as well. So it it's hard not to feel decent about him. Uh, the Jets have the 14th highest implied total this week. Uh, they are favored on the road. So it it is probably decent. Like you're probably not super upset if you have to start Mike White this week. Yeah, he feels like a high variance play, I would say. Like uh, Seattle is kind of, at times, they have really just given up monster games. And then at times, they've kind of got their stuff together. I, I think they're back on the track of giving up a lot of points. So it is a nice matchup. I, I worry that Mike White, with the rib injury, like he doesn't seem real good at, you know, taking hits and staying on the field. So there's always that possibility where. Uh, you know, he gets hurt and leaves the game. So I, I feel like it's a variance play for Mike White, but there's certainly ceiling here. And uh, I could see them putting up a bunch of points on Seattle. Yeah. And then the other potential streamer, I think, is the ultimate variance play, actually. So Carson Wentz is starting <laughs> this week, and I do have him as the QB 17 against the Cleveland Browns. He is rostered in only 7% of Yahoo leagues. This guy is on your waiver wire right now. Uh <laughs> Look, Carson Wentz has three top six finishes from earlier in this year. Uh, Those, I will admit, were against Jacksonville, Detroit, and Tennessee. So those are three defenses that we know to bleed points against opposing passing games for sure. So that's understood. Wentz also has three bottom 25 finishes. Uh, (laughs) One of those, I believe, was the game he left early with the finger injury against Chicago. The other two were against Philadelphia and Dallas. So two of the absolutely elite defenses this year. So which is the true Carson Wentz? Probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, But I think it's at least interesting like the commanders are two point home favorites they they are only 18th in implied total out of all the teams this week but that it's still decent 21 and a quarter implied points i i think there's legitimate upside here uh wentz does have at least 38 pass attempts in all of those games he played earlier this year aside from chicago which he left early uh, so like th- this could suddenly morph back into a high volume passing offense and I, against the Browns, like th- that's a defense that's probably a lot closer to the Eagles and Cowboys type of play than the, the, those other ones I mentioned. But I, I don't know. I There could be some juice here with Carson Wentz. I would feel very good about him as like a QB two if you're in a super flex league this week. Uh, but yeah, I've got him QB 17. Hopefully you don't have to start him as your first quarterback in the championship, but I, okay. I could, yeah, I don't hate it, I guess. Yeah. Could be a, a decent play in a super flex league as a QB too. Um, I mean, Dotson's playing better, you know, I mean, they got him healthy. They got some weapons, even Logan Thomas got a little involved last week. So certainly uh, we, we like the play caller generally, they got some weapons. So yeah, as long as they can keep uh, miles Garrett at bay, uh, he should give you uh, maybe not floor. That's not the right word, but he gives you some potential here. Yeah, no, and I will say the the floor is like three fantasy points and four <laughs> interceptions. That's to- could totally happen. Just want to yeah. be upfront and completely transparent there. 
All right. Well, let's get on to tight end streamers. Uh, there's not a whole lot that I really am going to talk about here this week. I, I think most of you have found your tight end by now. There just are not good options on waivers this time of the year. So uh, my top streaming option, I've, I've talked about him a lot, but I'm going to go with Jawan Johnson. Uh, he's 29% rostered, the Saints tight end. He's my top streamer of the week. He had a dud last week and I, everyone is ranking him lower. He's been dropped if he wasn't already in leagues. So people are reacting to his dud last week, but that's that was in the freezing cold in Cleveland. Lots of running. Like, I don't think we should hold that dud against him. And Juwan Johnson had seven touchdowns in seven games before this. So, you know, he dealt with a little bit of an injury thing there for a while. But as long as he's back and healthy, uh, playing in Philly, they're going to need to throw the ball a lot. So uh, he's my tight end 12 this week. Like, I just – he scored touchdowns. He's got a rapport with Andy Dalton. They're going to throw the ball a lot. There just aren't a lot of good tight end options. So – uh, we can get through the rest of them, Ryan, but I, I don't know if you see anyone you would play over Jawan Johnson. It, it's rough out there in the tight end world. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to spoil the other guys who run on the show sheet, but yeah, <laughs> I, I feel pretty good about Jawan Johnson compared to some of these characters. Yeah. I mean, even someone like Cole Komet is, uh, I, I think I have him a little ranked higher than some people might think, but he's not on the streaming radar. So uh, it was when we're talking streamers here, there's not much to choose from. So go with John Johnson if you need to pick someone up this time of the week. Otherwise, we're looking at like Greg Dulcich. I think he's a decent option, 48% rostered playing in Kansas City, but he popped up with a hamstring injury and didn't practice on Wednesday. I don't think I want to play a tight end with a hamstring injury if I can help it in the fantasy championships. So he's kind of off my board. Uh, Noah Fant, I think, is going to be a popular one because Will Disley hit IR, but Fant was missing practice last week. He missed practice on Wednesday, so he's dealing with some kind of injury. He only played 55% of the snaps last week and was out-targeted by Colby Parkinson, so I think they're going to use a committee in Seattle no matter what. I I don't think it's just going to be Fant, especially with his injury, so Fant's like my tight end 18, and then Hayden Hurst looks set to return for the Bengals. Um, Obviously, some touchdown upside in that game against the Bills, but uh, I don't know. First game back from an injury, it seems risky. He, It sounds like he was ready last week, and Zach Taylor just held him out an extra week to be cautious. But uh, he's like tight end 17 for me. You're looking for a touchdown. But I'd be a little worried he only plays on like 40% of the snaps his first week back. So I think it's Juwan Johnson. Greg Dulcich maybe if he gets a, a green light here as the week goes on. But that's all I really feel good about on waivers. I just want to apologize to you for – panic messaging you about Noah Fant being the <laughs> slot guy for the Seahawks uh, before the rankings lock this past week. I I was like seeing him get steamed in DFS. I'm like, okay, we got like, Eric, you got to get Fant up your tight end rankings, obviously. And that, yeah, lo and behold, gets out targeted by Colby Parkinson, as you said. So yeah, so- sorry about that one. I ho- hope you didn't move him too far up. No, I did not move him too high up, and he scored a touchdown, so he was the tight end 16, even though he had 12 receiving yards. So I I probably put him right about where he finished, so that was fine. Um, It was kind of weird looking back on the the Fantasy Pros rankings this week. We did not do well, but like I think all of our takes were right. Like You told people to bench Marquise Goodwin. Uh, That worked out very well. Um, I was down on J.K. Dobbins. That worked out very well. I I think we just need to go back to the lab and figure out how these Fantasy Pros rankings actually work, because... I feel like our takes were right. It just did not translate to the scoreboard. Yeah, maybe we can have a larger discussion about that next week in the because what else are we going to talk about in week 18? We should be talking about how to game the fantasy pros accuracy competition, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I've As the years gone on, I've tried to get more and more aggressive with my takes. Like I, 
I would actually just tank a guy 12 plus spots if I had a strong feeling. Uh, yeah. I feel like it's helped a little bit maybe, but yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting. I, I don't know if there's anything that we'll be able to find out about that, but yeah, so it's getting my wheels turning right now. Yeah, I think you have a tough position at quarterback. Uh, I always struggled ranking quarterbacks for the the fantasy pros rankings because it's like, I'm never going to tell someone to bench Josh Allen, you know? But as far as the rankings go for the contest, like maybe you should rank him QB7 in a tough week, you know what I mean? But that's not really what I would recommend to a fantasy player out there. Like I would, you would always play Josh Allen, you know? So I think that's where the rankings scoreboard watching and like the actual like advice to fans is kind of like it kind of does not fit so i it's i I, don't, I would rather help out uh, people in their fantasy teams as opposed to rank highly in fantasy pros i guess is what i'm saying yeah that's fair and i, I mean i try to hold myself to always do sit starts by my rankings like the reason I, I complained about playing Geno Smith over Gardner Minshew last week in the Scott Fishbowl, the reason I ultimately did that was because I had him ranked higher. Yeah. I, I could have told myself a story of I have all these Cowboys players. I had Devontae Smith. I need to get the game stack. And that, that ultimately would have been like the correct idea. But yeah, I, I try to make my rankings like usable, like mean yeah. something, I guess. Like, yeah, I, I want them to reflect the advice that I would give at least at that point in the week when I'm doing them. Yep. Totally. Well, that pretty much wraps it up here. Um, check out Michael James's uh, defensive streamer article. If you want some more in depth on some defenses to play this week, but I suspect everyone in the playoffs by now has a couple stashed and you've been playing it ahead. Um, hopefully we've helped you out with that as well, but uh, yeah, Ryan, I mean, this is the last real one. We'll be back next week for week 18 sit start. It's going to be a lot of like, hey, this team's not playing anybody. Hey, this team is playing somebody. Hopefully the starting running back plays three quarters, but uh, we'll be here next week. But um, I don't know if you have any final thoughts before we get out of here, Ryan, but it's been uh, another good year sit start. It has been another great year. Been enjoying being on this podcast a ton. Uh, So obviously, thank you for having me all year and dealing with me this entire season, Eric. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see everybody next week and I'm sure we'll put together a wildly entertaining show. (laughs) Yeah. They're going to get, uh, crazier and crazier as it goes. So, um, yeah, we'll see, uh, by the time we get to the week 18, what we saw, it may be a real mess here. So thanks everyone for sticking with us. Hopefully, uh, we've helped you along the way. Hopefully you get a championship this week and, um, yeah, just give us a shout out on Twitter or discord or wherever, if you do win one. So we always love hearing that stuff. So until, uh, the next podcast, um, hope y'all, uh, win some games this week and, uh, talk to you soon.